I was telling my grandma, I was like, Nancy, we did it. And she's like, did what? And I was like, oh, forget it. Welcome to another episode of Tea with Abby. Abigail here, sipping tea. Not really, it's just some water from my living room. And on today's show, I am so, so thrilled to welcome Paulana Lamonier. Um, what was that? Yeah, that was okay. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I'm French Canadian. Um, my dad is from New Brunswick, Canada. But I understand you're Haitian American, which has a very heavy French influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're uh, appearing to us from New York right now. I'm here in Austin. And um, we are a couple months into COVID 19, um, experiencing an incredible social uprising right now. Um, and I'm so thrilled to welcome you here um, for our. Viewers today, Paulana is a journalist, media specialist. Um, She's Red Cross certified swim instructor and lifeguard for the past 10 years, which we're going to get into why that's so important. Um, You've started an initiative called Black People Will Swim, and your sole mission is to help people conquer their fears and learn how to swim. And then outside of that, like I said, you're a multimedia journalist. You've interviewed some incredible celebrities, which I now, if we're going six degrees of Kevin Bacon, I'm now one degree away from Queen Latifah, okay. Lala <laughs> Anthony. And then you've also written for huge publications like Forbes and Fast Company and Complex. Um, and then in your, your bio that your publicist sent me, it says that you also want to be a meme. With By the looks on your website, you're on your way there. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. Today was a really good day. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get into the habit of, like, waking up early again because that was my routine prior to COVID. Like, I would wake up at 5, be at the gym at 6. So now I'm trying to get back into that habit, but it's so hard once you fell off. So that's what I'm working on right now. So what is the climate like where you are at right now in terms of like things reopening? How are people feeling? Because, you know, we have family in New York. We understand how incredibly intense it was in April and in May. And, you know, um, you know how has your, your personal circle been affected? Like what's going on over there right now? So I know for New York, because I live in the suburbs of New York, Long Island and New York have been kind of operating in their own jurisdiction when it comes to the phases. So New York is already is in phase two and they're approaching phase three. So that's kind of like pools, but now all pools will be opening. But in Long Island, where I'm at, it's it's um, it's like they're already in phase three already. So that means that some pools have been open. Um, there's still no like dining in at um, dining in, but but um, you know 
I thank God that personally I have not been affected by COVID, but I know like, I know a number of people who've lost family and friends due to COVID. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, just witnessing what they've been going through is just, it's really hard. And, you know, I have one of my girlfriends, she's a mom of two under three, and it's like a never ending daycare, you know? So it's, it, the, you may not be affected by COVID, but the input, the, the effects, of COVID definitely um, is felt all around. So that's yeah. that's what I've been dealing with. And then of course, as an entrepreneur, you launch your company this year or am I getting that right? Yeah, so we launched this year, like officially to the public in March. Oh my God. So before we get into how that's going in today's climate, I am, just, I want to know where, where did this idea come from? And, um, I think some of the best, uh, entrepreneurs create something off of a problem. And so, um, my guess is that you had some personal experience with this or you felt it really close to home. Um, where did black people will swim come from? So I've been teaching for about 10 years now. So this year actually makes it 10 years. And last year I was like, okay, I'm approaching my 10 year mark. I want to like start a campaign where I'm teaching 30 people how to swim. And so thanks to the power of black Twitter, I put it out on Twitter and the responses I got were really amazing. People were really up for it. They're like, yes, I need to learn how to swim, tagging their friends. But I'm like, wait, hold up guys. I'm in Long Island. I'm in New York. And it's like getting requests from all over like Houston, Florida, LA. Um, and so I, while I was starting this campaign, I had a client of mine who was really terrified and was like, oh my gosh, I am scared of swimming. And plus, you know, black people, we don't swim because our bones are too dense and I'm just like girl where did you where did you get this from and then from that moment I was just like what else what other information are we taking that taking as our truth because this is not something that happens in swimming this is really something that affects black people across all sports in ballet you know black people are told that you know we're not graceful enough our skin complexions aren't good enough to be in ballet our bone structures our butts are too big like there's there's we've been told that we can't do certain activities in sports because of our physical feature because of how we look so just kind of taking it from a swimming perspective like that's why our tagline is smashing the stereotype that black people don't swim because this is a stereotype that has been plaguing our community and not just that but it's just like what are the barriers that have prevented black people from swimming and how can us as an organization eliminate that and provide solutions so for our viewers out there who may hold the stereotype and this bias without even knowing where it even comes from um, I know a little bit about the history of uh, segregation and, um, you know, Black people literally not being allowed into public pools. Um, can you enlighten us a little bit about kind of the history of, you know, in America, especially like, why have white people had more access to swimming lessons? 
Yeah, I think it's, it just comes down to, you know, slavery, of course. It, it Really, racism plays a huge role. I mean, the, the, the aftermath of racism is still plaguing us to this day, hence Black Lives Matter, right? And police brutality and racial, um, implicit racial bias. So, uh, so racism is really the root of this issue. So, but for swimming specifically, of course, we have slavery. And then if we go down the timeline even further, we, I mean, um, maybe like maybe 60, maybe 60 to 100 years later, we have the Jim Crow laws, right? That was around the 1950s and 60s. So it's like separate but equal. So you have white communities have country clubs and they have pools and not just that, but they also have people teaching them how to swim. And as opposed to black communities, it's like we have these pools, but we don't have enough pools and then we don't have people teaching us how to swim. So that's kind of like where it stems from. And then of course you have the stereotype, these, these, um, I would say these, I don't even say rumors, but just what's being said about, you know, our, we're not, we lack buoyancy, our bones are too dense. Those play a huge role into why black people don't, not enough black people swim. Cause I'm not going to say black people don't swim. Cause you know, I'm an, I'm an example, but just not enough black people swimming. Right. Right. Um, and so it's a mixture of literally how racism has kept you not not just away from swimming, but so many kinds of activities and opportunities. And then this fake narrative, this lie beating into your head about why it's not available to you, and which is all, you know, this this fear-based narrative that's just not real, it's not mm-hmm. true. Um, the reason, you know, there was a personal reason why I, I did want to also chat with you today is because um, when I was a kid growing up in Massachusetts, I'm from a really rural area. My grandmother grew up on a lake um, and my family were swimmers. So that's what some of my dad's siblings, they hold high school records in. Town pools were very much part of um, my upbringing. Um, we were, my family was part of this program in New York called Fresh Air Fund that had kids from New York City go live with families in the mountains, like rural Massachusetts for the summer. Um, and so we, I had, you know, my, my brother, essentially from another mother, Caleb, he would come stay with us for about six years, almost for a full wow. month every summer. So um, he was this incredible young man. Uh, well, now he's like a grown man, but young man from the Bronx, New York, completely different upbringing from mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd go to my grandmother's house. All my cousins and I are very comfortable around the water. And so we're jumping in and we're, you know, we're just not putting a thought that Caleb might not be able to join us. Um, and we never even understood that that was something different until, you know, we had to slow down, realize, okay, Caleb might need a life vest. He can't keep up. Um, mm-hmm. how, how nerve wracking that was for my parents to realize as well. Um, and then the progression of his swimming you know, just kind of not only throughout that first summer, but like that was very much part of coming back year after year. Um, His experience was how much better he was getting at swimming. And I had never realized, of course, up until that point um, that, whoa, this is a a privilege. One, because of where I'm from um, and what I've had access to. um, And it's not the same for all kids. And it's not just because he grew up in New York City, but it was because he was a black boy from the projects. So he never had that opportunity 
to ever be exposed to proper swim lessons. Right. Um, so when when I stumbled across your company on um, I Fund Women, it just like really took me back to that, remembering that experience um, and how eye-opening it was and how empowering it is for anyone to feel safe in the water. Um, can you talk us through a little bit about how your company works? Like, um, is it swim lessons? Is it certifications? Like, what, what exactly happens? So with Black People Will Swim, we are, I would say, like a full service organization, right? So you come to us, say, hey, I don't know how to swim. We teach you how to swim, right? And if you can't afford swim lessons, that's totally fine, too. You know, luckily, we have people who have been donating. So we are, you know, open to providing free swim lessons as well. I think that's what's really important is that we provide low, low to affordable swim lessons, but also, like, if push come to shove, we would definitely offer swim lessons as well to those who can't afford it because we don't want mo- we don't want money to be the to be the barrier as to why you can't right you can't swim take our classes so there's that then number two of course we once you finish learning how to swim we of course want to hire and provide job opportunities right for our clients so you finish learning how to swim then you um come we certify you and then of course we hire you to become an instructor and then for those who are still in high school or those who are still in college and want to swim on a competitive collegiate level we provide scholarships as well right and so uh, yeah so scholarships so it's like if you've been doing well in the pool and you've also been doing well in the classroom we are working on a scholarship right now coming soon to you know offer students who can't necessarily afford books but you know they have to work but they also want to swim because swimming is kind of like a when you're swimming competitively it's kind of like a job you know you really have enough time for school when you are competing. So it's kind of hard. So with our scholarship, we definitely want to provide that opportunity for, hey, you know, you can swim, but we'll also take care of your books or food or things of that nature. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like, people have to understand that this is not a luxury. This is a life skill. But here are the benefits of knowing, of having this life skill. Of course, you'll be able to save yourself, but here's a job opportunity, right? And then Mm -hmm. here's a chance for you to also... also receive a scholarship if you're going to school, because I think that's what we want to make sure that we are paying it forward. Yo, this is what Black People Will Swim did for me, and this is what I'm going to be doing for other people. And I'm a product of that as well. I learned I learned how to swim competitively in college. And so my coach, Coach Jen Trotman, she took me under her wing, and so did her dad, and they taught me how to become a coach. And so from that moment, I've been working um, from them, and they taught me what it takes to be a coach. And then that's how I started. Um, that's how I went into the YMCA. So it's not like, oh, I learned how to swim and here we are. It's like, because people invested and sewed into me, that's how I'm able to sew into other people. It's, it's a, I think that's the beauty of sports is that it's a domino effect. It's not, it doesn't only affect you. It affects other people too. I think that also speaks to kind of Part of the larger conversation happening right now around Black Lives Matter and racism and anti-racism and and all of these um, themes that we're starting to see finally take their rightful place in front of everyone's minds right now um, is that it's so important to 
invest and pay it forward um, and continue to build that that generational knowledge and wealth. And I think that's really powerful that part of what you're doing is not just this recreational luxury, but it's so that there's like a pa another pathway um, into a future and another pathway into success. Um, for me, I think that's kind of what I've, what I've recently learned a lot about is that the reason why, you know, um, so many white people have generational wealth is because they've had the lineage that, you know, takes what they have and then passes oh, wow. it on. Yeah. So if that's never happening in Black culture, in, in Black families, like how the heck can they get up until someone says, okay, well, he, well here you go. Here's this opportunity. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to see from more white leaders, um, uh, investors, CEOs, people in hiring positions. Yes, it's about having diverse voices at you know at every step of your process, so that you can have a, a well-rounded reflection of of what the world actually looks and operates like. But it's also about understanding you need to opportunity you need to pass the baton um, if you keep passing the baton to the same people those same voices are going to be the only ones talking mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so how has it felt having your company um, in this climate right now so you know I'm obviously the, that first major wave of COVID-19, and I'm sure you haven't had access to pools. Um, how has been dealing with that kind of chapter as an entrepreneur been? I mean, right now, it's, uh, it. we have our highs and lows. I think really, the, yeah, we have our highs and lows. I think that's the best way to put it into context, but also understanding that pivot pivoting is not just a dance move it's really a business move as well especially as an entrepreneur um because because we don't have access to pools we have to pivot now and figure out okay how can we still have an impact in our community despite not being in a pool despite not providing swim lessons right and mm -hmm. so luckily with you know um being recognized by adidas and i fund women in essence you know we're still putting in the work of making sure we're bringing in some type of income right because not only do we have to pay our teams but we have to save money to make sure that when, when pools do open we won't be drowning in debt, right? So right now we're just kind of looking to the future um, to answer your question as far as um, what does 2021 look like? What does our merch look like? What does bathing suits look like? What does partnerships look like? Because although we can't, it's kind of like the plans we have in place, we just have to like put a pin in it and um, however, we do have a campaign that we're coming out in a few weeks called My Swim Story, where we are doing a deep dive into the experiences of Black people and their relationship with water. You know, being Black or being any race is not monolithic, right? And neither are our experiences with water. So we want to make sure that we are talking to, you know, we're talking to postal workers, we're talking to nurses, we're talking to athletes, we're talking to like world world-renowned athletes 
to talk about their relationship with water. How do they get introduced into swimming or do they know how to swim? Because I think it's really important to show the complexities of um, the complexities, but also like the the differences and what makes Black people unique, right? So my swim story, that's coming out in a few weeks. So we working on that. My swim story, I like how you said it's a deep dive. The deep dive. Listen, I, I am really good at, you know... <laughs> This uh, metaphors when it comes to uh, swimming and stuff. It's crazy. And then it's like whomever I speak with, they're like, Polana, see, you got me doing it now. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's a ripple effect. See what I did there? Hey, well, that's like your experience as um, media, multimedia journalist. Um, is this your first kind of entrepreneurial, other than being an entrepreneur of yourself as a business, um, is this your first like, company um like entrepreneurial venture with a specific brand thing yeah i would say this is my first business but you know Mm -hmm. like as a freelancer because i was freelancing for quite some time it's it kind of prepared me for this you know you have to hound people you got to get your story out there you got to get the pitches out there um but also want to be as innovative as as possible. So you're doing a lot of R&D, a lot of market research and understanding what is out there. So, um, and making sure you are, you know, on top of your game. So, absolutely. so yeah. So yes, but to answer your question, Black People Swim is my first business. And with that, um, like what, what do you think uh, experiences as a multimedia journalist, like how has that shaped what you've been building? Yeah, well, like I mentioned earlier, you know, being a freelancer, but also mm-hmm. the copywriting, um, the the copywriting, the language that we're writing, also the web development. So I see Black People Will Swim as like a two entity business, right? Of course, we provide our swim lessons, but then we also have our media division as well, where we are doing a deep dive into the storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. We are we are really good with our marketing. Um, and we are making sure that people see and understand the vision and story behind it. So think of like uninterrupted and what LeBron James has done with storytelling when it comes to sports. But then it's like a Black people will swim version of that. So of course we're coaching people, but then we're also um, providing storytelling as well to understand the importance of this of the swimming aspect. Yeah, that's kind of like the modern business now. If there isn't a media component to what you're doing, you're kind of missing a massive opportunity. Like you're gonna create this platform, you're gonna create a business. What's what's the mission behind it? What's the vision? Right. Is it coming out in other ways? Um, I think that's what is going to make or break successful businesses, especially coming out of this really uncertain economic time, um, how well can you connect with an audience to tell a story while you might not be able to offer your product as in its full um, capacity. Right. Um, I think that's, that's a huge piece of, uh, of a business and obviously something that comes really natural for you, um, it sounds like. Um, it took some time, (laughs) it took some time, you know, 10 years, I've been coaching for 10 years and freelancing since 2013. So, you know, to some people they're like, and this is something I really want to address as well, because some people, they will see that, oh my gosh, she's launched this in March and look how, you know, fast she's grown. And I want to be just like that too. Why isn't this happening for me? And I'm just, uh, hold up. 
you know, this is 10 years in the making. This is 10 years of working for other people, working for other businesses, other companies, nasty personalities, mean people, nice people, giving people. So I think I really want people to understand that you are seeing the, um, the product. You're seeing the, 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 um, the, the harvest of 10 years of hard work of me being the slowest person on the team, okay? <laughs> because, girl, Abby, let me tell you, girl, I, I was slow. Wait, literally the slowest? <laughs> I was slow, girl. Um, but I think that's the thing with swimming. It's like, you are also, it's like two competitions you're in, right? You're competing against other people, but then you're really competing against yourself and trying mm. to beat your personal record, right? You're, you want to have your best personal record every time you hit the pool, despite whether you win or lose. So I think that's what I love most about swimming is that I'm staying in my lane. I don't know what y'all got on the left or the right, but mm. for me, I'm staying in my lane. I'm minding my business. So I just want people to understand when they hear this is that, yes, this has been in, I started this in March, yeah. but something that's been in the works that's been my story for 10 years. Yeah, without all of those experiences, there's no way this would possibly exist. That exactly. Those things had to come first. Those horrible lessons, I'm sure, that were involved. And the humility that comes from failing as a freelancer. I get that completely. That's where Blended Sense comes from. Uh, my experience as an actor was incredible at moments, but just so frustrating. I couldn't ever figure out how to make a sustainable income because my payouts through my agent would take 30 to 90 days, sometimes 120 days. Um, mm -hmm. It takes a lot of trial and error and a lot of humility to put yourself out there as a freelancer. Um, I, what an incredible metaphor, though. As a swimmer, you know, it's about you versus you. And then your competition, but you stay in your lane. That's like exactly what it's like to be an entrepreneur and run a business. Like mm -hmm. every day, yes, you want to get up and you want to make your company the best and you want to stand apart from your competition. Um, but at the end of the day, it's you versus you as the founder. Like how good can you be that day how can you rise to the occasion right. um so you yeah you sounds like you've been ready for this for, for a long time <laughs> you know it's it's a part it's a part of the game it's like i i'm super and that's another thing too i'm super competitive i'm <laughs> i'm i'm a i'm gonna come to you a little i'm really competitive <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, however, I also know that like, I, I know how to curb that. I know how to not compare myself to the point where I'm downplaying my work ethic or downplaying my, my work or downplaying my team. You understand? Mm. I think there's nothing. And I also want people to understand there's nothing wrong with being competitive as well. Mm. Like you want to be the best. You want to put your best foot forward. I think there is nothing wrong with that. I think the issue is, is where you start stepping over people and hurting people's feelings and being malicious and being dis and being nasty. That's where, no, no, no. Mm -mm. That's, that's where, that's where I don't, you know. Mm. Do it. Yeah. Um, in this competitive meet with yourself, um, starting black people since see what I did there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
Would you call, like, is there obviously then the obvious, the pandemic being a challenging moment, is there anything you have felt challenged by that you wouldn't mind sharing with us? Uh, I would say really the pandemic has been like our main, our main, um, main hurdle right yeah. now. It, it's really hard because it's like you, this isn't just like, uh, you know, like we're closed. Like this is legit a pandemic that we're in and there's like, you can be as precautious as much as possible, but it's just like, you don't. For, especially for me, like, especially because black and brown communities are affected the most due to COVID. It's like, I can't provide, even if I wanted to, it's like providing some lessons, you know, putting our community at risk. Does that make sense? Is it the right, is it that, the, is that the right decision? And so as an entrepreneur um, and as a boss, it's kind of like trying to understand and trying to weigh my options and really, is it worth it? Is it worth putting my community at risk? I, I, I feel that. Um, what about a success moment? I mean, yes, it's been really hard, but for example, I found you on iFundWomen, which is like, that must've been huge. To, to, what's your relationship there? And like, I know that you were um, in a challenge with Essence Magazine and like, those are some pretty high highs. I know. I'm, to be honest, I'm shocked myself. But then again, it's like, <laughs> I'm competitive too. So it's kind of like, yes, we got it. But at the same time, it's like, oh, snap, we really got it. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I'm, I'm like between those two like emotions. But um, with Adidas and iFundWomen, you know, they have an amazing partnership between them two where mm. they have this program called reimagine sports where they are leveling the playing field by investing into um athletic uh programs right to help mm. women level the playing field and so we are i believe one of 10 recipients grant recipients so um adidas is not only putting their money where their mouth is but supporting us on this cause and you know i'm also speaking of brand partnership into existence as well with adidas in the name of jesus okay um but yeah that's that's something that I've I've always I've been a life I've been an athlete all my life so just to be like just to have black people swim in the same sentence as I fun women in Adidas it's it's a big deal it's a it's a big deal it's huge I don't take for granted at all I'm so happy for you that's just freaking phenomenal Thank you. Like when we, I was telling my grandma, I was like, maybe we did it. And she's like, did what? And I was like, oh, forget it. It's just like, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't quite like understand the magnitude of this, but hey, you know. Do you, like, do you find that this is, is black and brown people not having access to swimming and having this stereotype put on them? Is that an experience just here in the United States? Or am I like kind of wrong to assume that, okay, if Haiti's an island, all people would know how to swim down there. Like, is that wrong for me to say? Um, or do you think this, this last, people can't swim this fear is kind of universal? 
That is a great question. And I'm glad you asked that because, you know, everyone's relationship with water is different. You, I can ask the same thing about white people. Right. Because you know how to swim. Do you feel that other people, there are white people who live in Haiti. There are white people who live right. okay. in Jamaica. Do you feel that, you know, white pe- all white people know how to swim? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, a, it's, a fair, it's a fair question. I, I think that we have to understand that to put a blanket statement is just, it would be, um, I don't want to say, it'll be ignorant to say that, you know, that's why I don't, that's why, of course, our our goal is to smash the stereotype that Black people don't swim. But I also want to emphasize that is that is not that all Black people don't swim. It's just that majority of us don't swim and the statistics support it. You know, right. 64% of Black people don't swim compared to 42% of Hispanic people. And then, 40% of white right. people, right? Yeah. But in Haiti, for instance, so to your question, in Haiti, let's say if a family grew, you know, grew up and they live by the beach, there's a chance that, of course, they m- may know how to swim, may know how to do some strokes. But if some people who live on the countryside that have no water near them, no beach, you right. know, no no lake, no river, it's kind of like, well, there's no water around me. What's the need of me learning how to swim? Right. And it's the same thing for the United States. You know, someone who lives in a rural city and there's no pool around them. There's no there's no desire to learn. You know, there might be opportunity, I would say, to learn. how. And then, of course, swimming competitively, that's kind of this own. It's like a whole other world in itself of, you know, why it's predominantly white and and I'm just making an educated guess here, but I'm assuming that's also because white people have had the most uh, access to college and access to those private schools and elite sports and the funding to afford um, swimming at that level. So um, I'm just, you you got me kind of just thinking a lot about, um, okay, here's a question. What can, what do you think is, I don't know how to phrase this. Um, what, what, do you, what do you want people to know about, like me as here I am as a white woman from Massachusetts, that experience where we had our Caleb come stay with us in the summer and we had no idea why he didn't know how to swim. Um, is there, I mean, apart from just understanding racism, um, is there, what can we do? How, how do we support and get more people in the water? Obviously donating to your company. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, we have a crowdfunding campaign on ifundwomen.com. Backside. We'll swim. (laughs) You hear that, everybody? Ifundwomen. Ifundwomen. Black people will swim. Crowdfunding campaign. All right. All right. We have a goal of like, we're trying to reach $40,000. I think it's definitely achievable. Uh, But to your question, um, what can people, what was your question? What can people? I just, I guess like, this seems like a concept that for me, I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. Like um, it exists because of racism and then black people convince themselves that they can't swim because of the reasons that you stated before. Like, and is there just a simple way that you can state this falsehood, this lie of like, um, when someone sees your, your business name, black people will swim. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess black people will swim 
and then kind of like that big like why why will black people swim um what should we know as like white people like why is that important I guess maybe yeah. that's what we're gonna get at not to undermine I know why it's important but why is it why is it important why is it important that everyone has access to this life skill it's important because it's it's just that it's a life skill. It's, it's people, you know, if we are on vacation and people want to go ahead and go to the beach, they can't go to the beach. They'll sit Mm -hmm. on the side, you know, or if an incident happens and there's a wave or whatever the case may be, they know how to save themselves. They know how to save somebody else because they have that life skill. Right. And a lot of times too, people, you know, they've gone through a traumatic situation it's have gone through a traumatic experience at a water park and that's it it's just kind of like I'm done I'm not going to split splash or Dorney Park anymore because of that bad experience so I think there's that right the life skill and why black people why should people know about black people will swim is for the simple fact of the ripple effects of racism And we don't want to reverse racism. I want to make sure that people understand that's not our goal, but we just want to educate, right? We want to educate people on the implicit bias that happens in the pool, that happens when you're teaching someone how to swim, that happens in media. You know, there are certain pools that say you're not allowed braids, you're not allowed dreadlocks. Hair is a huge part of our identity. So for you to tell us that we're not allowed to have a certain hairstyle, that's an example of implicit bias. If you are teaching a kid and they are... to you overreacting, you like, oh my gosh, calm down. Like, why is he, oh my God, like, don't, that's you be, you are reacting to a situation that you don't know what he's gone through. You don't know if they had a bad experience in the past. You don't know. Sometimes as black folk, you know, we have a harsh way of teaching our kids. Some, some black folk, they have a harsh way of teaching their kids and just throwing them in the water and say, hey, swim, swim to the other side. And that's not the right way to teach um, a kid how to swim. So I think it's really important that sometimes we may think that a certain person of a certain race is overreacting, but it's really not the case at all. We just, sometimes it's just asking, what happened? How can I help you? Why is that? You know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just being prejudiced, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important for people to check their implicit racial bias at the door. Thank you for helping me answer that. It's okay. Listen, I get it. Race is a race is a tough. It's a tough. It's a tough topic to talk about. So it is. It, it's, um, it's, it's which is, is a privilege of in itself for me to say to be like I'm having a hard time talking about race. Um, in some ways, I am. In some ways, I'm I'm feeling uh, comfortable knowing that this is like this is where we're at right now. And if I want to have a platform, if I want to be a leader, if I want to hire people, like I better get comfortable mm-hmm. uh, quickly. And Especially as a CEO, because you'll be, you'll talk to people who don't look like you, who may not mm-hmm. have the same beliefs, who may not live where you are. And as a boss, as an entrepreneur, like this is, this is, you know, part of the game. And, and like you were saying earlier, you know, certain, you know, rich white people, they've, they're keeping the money in their Mm -hmm. ecosystem, which is why like for black women, we only get like less than 1% of venture capital. That's, 
that's not fair. You know, a lot of black women, we are starting money out of our, we're starting our businesses out of our own pockets. While some people there, they have the luxury of having their parents invest. Yeah. You know, know, I think it's really important that we highlight it and, and, and not make people, we don't want to make, we don't want, we don't want people to feel bad. We want people to acknowledge their privilege and say, how can I level the playing field for other people? I think that's, what's really important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what my attempt here is to, if I can, um, I want to show other white women who are leaders as well, like, hey, this is how I'm engaging and and I'm having conversations and who I'm choosing to highlight. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, here we go. Like, I'll, I can do it. You can do it. Like, this is how we'll do it. So jump on the train because we're going to leave you behind. Okay. So here we go. Um, and I'm just really grateful to have a space where I, even if I wasn't a business leader, I think I'd want to be educating myself in many ways. So like, regardless of who sees this, like I'm so grateful to have this conversation with you and learn things that I didn't know before. Maybe like stop and check myself for a second and be like, Oh, well, yes. I unknowingly thought had that thought process in mm-hmm. a, in a scenario or, not even um, what I think most enlightened me today was about, I understood the, the fear and the prejudice that went into your cre- the creation of white black people swim. Um, but what I, I wasn't thinking about too was like the job opportunities and the pathway and the life changes that can come from it. And that, I think oh, more than anything, that is just, so inspiring and um, gets me excited because I think of the potential of where this business can grow for you. And I know that you have this initiative of um, teaching like 2020 people. Yes. Um, but like all those 2000, all those 2000 people learn how to swim and then they get the opportunity to teach one person each. And then some of those people go on to become lifeguards and then some, some, and then they're changing what their town pools look like. And some of those people go on to become competitive swimmers. And someday when the Olympics comes back, you're not just seeing one black person as a swimmer, but there's more there. And it's just like, wow. You see the, Um, that's a ripple effect. That is simply the ripple effect that we want to have. Like you can work as a lifeguard. You can work as a swim coach. You can start your own um, swimming business. You can start your own lifeguarding company. Like I live in Long Island. A majority of the lifeguards are white out here because Long Island is predominantly white, you know, but it's just like, just thinking about, you know, what representation means. So for that young girl that's watching the Olympics, that sees only two black people, people maybe in 2024 that'll be for black people you know i you know last i think the last olympics you know we had our first haitian canadian haiti had its first haitian canadian swimmer woman swimmer naomi um grand pierre like that's a big deal that's a that's a big deal to show the possibilities of haiti you know, and what they can do. And us, of course, the U.S. having Cullen Jones and Simone Manuel, you know, that's just the possibilities of just getting more Black people for them to, you know, learn how to swim. That's beautiful. I have two more questions. First one is, what stroke do you like the most? 
for those of you who don't know swimming strokes competitively, there's multiple kinds of styles that you mm-hmm. can use in. Um, what's the one you like? So my favorite stroke, <laughs> okay, is actually the butterfly. What? Yes, girl. I am <laughs> so hard. It is really hard, but honey, I could kill the butterfly. Now, that was a couple of years ago. Now, ask <laughs> if I could kill it now. It might just kill me, okay? <laughs> that by far looks like the most amount of stamina to sustain in a pool. Oh, yeah. It's super wow. hard, but it's kind of like once you have the flow and the rhythm down, it's like, whoosh. Once you have that that flow and rhythm, you are literally good to go. And of course, the freestyle is like my favorite. So. Yeah. You're like flying. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The last question is this statement, Sip. Is there a mantra, a quote, or a saying that you hold near and dear to your heart, you remind yourself of every day? What is it? You know, it changes yeah. every day. It changes every day. I know for me, like, there's a scripture that says, um, with everything your hands do, do it with 100%. Mm-hmm. And that scripture, let me look it up because I know the scripture. I think it's like in Colossians. Let me find out for you. Oh, there we go. Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for Lord, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as a reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So in short, it's just like you want to make sure that whatever your hands are doing, whatever work you're doing, you are doing it 100%. Um, mm. And to understand that, of course, you are serving people, but you're also serving Christ. So that is, um, that's my sip. Cheers to that. Cheers. All right, everyone. That is the tea. Palana, thank you so much for bringing your light and energy and passion and enthusiasm to our show today. Um, I'm grateful for your time and I'm grateful for your creativity and that you're bringing this incredible business into the world. Um, and I cannot wait to witness the ripples that follow. So thank you for being here today, everyone. Thank you so much, Abby. This was, this was a great conversation. I'm glad to have it with you, um, with your amazing platform. And I'm praying that, you know, other people and women see, um, see the benefits of having open conversations like this because that's what we want to have open conversations about tough discussions that we can't have online but we have it in house <laughs> exactly exactly well thank you thanks so much for watching tea with abby be sure to click subscribe and smack that like button so you can stay tuned <laughs> smack that like button see that like button smack it thanks so much for watching an episode of tea with abby Be sure to click subscribe and smack that like button so you can stay tuned with new episodes all year long. And if you want to learn more about Blended Sense, visit us at our website, www.blendedsense.com, or follow us on social at Blended Sense or at BlendedSense.io. See you next week.